0: hitting medical truth cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for join dr. Peter McCullough world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough report your life may depend on it let's get real let's get loud on America Out Loud talk radio this is the McCullough report and I'm dr. Peter McCullough a great pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Dr. Miriam Grossman. Dr. Grossman is an MD child psychiatrist who is in practice. Uh, she is a clinical scholar and has done tremendous uh, research on some t- uh, topics that are of great interest in the news today. And she'll have a new book out that um, I imagine all of us are going to want to have a copy of to help us better get Anchored in what's going on today. And so, uh, without any further delay, I'll ask Dr. Grossman uh, to come on the show. And Dr. Grossman, welcome to the McCullough Report. And why don't you take it from there in terms of introducing your educational background?
1: Thank you, Dr. McCullough. It really is an honor. I, I've been a big fan of yours for a few years now. Uh, uh, I, I, have, I have great respect, and I'm so happy to be joining you on, on this show. Uh, So, as you mentioned, I'm a a medical doctor. I uh, have training in uh, uh, pediatrics as well as child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry. And uh, my interest for quite a while has been in uh, transgender-identified children uh, and in Uh, understanding where the ideas come from uh, that that our society is now being bombarded with, especially our kids are being bombarded with where those ideas came from, uh, why they are dangerous ideas that are not founded in uh, medical science. And my book that's coming out soon uh, is, is focuses specifically on educating parents so that they are informed uh, before, way before uh, this uh, catastrophe hits their home, the catastrophe of uh, a child suddenly announcing that they are the opposite sex.
0: Wow. that's, a that's you just kind of really hit a big opener. I know this is a hot topic for our audience. Now, by way of background, um, Dr. Grossman attended uh, Bryn Mawr College and up in the Northeast, I believe, and then NYU, New York University School of Medicine. Actually, some years voted the number one medical school in the United States, did a residency at an affiliated hospital with Cornell, had a training in general pediatrics, and then uh, child psychiatry. So she's extremely well-trained. And I, you know, I want to ask you, you, you really have taken on a hot-button issue. Why did you personally get interested in this?
1: Huh. Great question. The way that it happened is, well, I never really had an interest in this at all. And as you know, uh, disorders of gender identity were very, very rare until recently. Uh, So so in the entire world, there were very few specialists because there were so few patients. Now, the way that I became interested in this was about 15 years ago when I was working uh, at UCLA in the Student Counseling Center with uh, undergraduate and graduate students uh, at UCLA. And one thing that I noticed was (coughs) was that, Amongst these students that were coming to me, uh, uh, a large percentage of them had sexually transmitted infections. And it was really quite a surprise to me uh, how often I would check into a patient's medical history and discover that they had been diagnosed with herpes or genital warts or that they may have had Uh, one or more abortions, uh, that they were constantly going in for HIV testing. And I became alarmed at that, and I started looking into what are young people taught about, uh, about their sexuality, and about sexually transmitted diseases, and how to protect themselves, and what is healthy behavior, what is unhealthy behavior, and it was there that when I I dove into uh, places like Planned Parenthood and other organizations that are the flagship uh, sex education organizations in this country, it was there that I discovered sort of serendipitously what they were teaching kids about gender. And I just was astonished. So that was 15 years ago. And I discovered that they're teaching exactly what is being taught now, uh, which is that um, we can separate uh, our identity as male and female can be completely separated from our uh, biology, from our sexed bodies, so that uh, young people were being told all the way back then, uh, and even further back, I, I realized as I researched this, this goes all the way back to the 90s, but the, I discovered it sort of in 2006, 2007, that young people were being led to believe uh, that they could, they could have been, so to say, born in the wrong body, and that that is not uh, any sort of disorder, that's a normal variant uh, of, of being human. Some people simply are born Uh, are incorrectly, quote unquote, assigned at birth as male or female. And then uh, they discover later on at some point uh, that that assignment, I'm saying that in quotation marks, uh, and I'll explain why, that that assignment is incorrect and that they therefore need to uh, change their bodies to align with their minds. And when I discovered this, I was very alarmed because uh, I know, and you know, and I'm sure your listeners also understand, you don't need a PhD to know this, that we don't want our kids to be confused about their identity. Identity confusion is a handicap. When you have a strong, you want kids to develop a strong identity about who they are. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, like I said, it is a handicap and confusion is something that we certainly do not want to promote. But here I discovered that these authorities uh, that are teaching our kids and have uh, access to our kids in all sorts of ways on, at schools, online, through pediatricians' offices, are coming in and exposing kids to these destabilizing ideas. I call it a destabilizing idea to tell a child that they potentially may have been uh, assigned the wrong sex. That is extremely destabilizing, especially to vulnerable kids, kids well, who have.
0: Let, let, just Let me just stop you right there. So you're pretty far along in this. Are you saying that do you think at no time during child de- development should any adult suggest that to a young person at at any time and from any person
1: that's what i'm saying because it's it's not there's no medical basis for making such a claim
0: so so and, and you know that would be you know speaking from a doctor of authority but uh, you know Right now, it's my understanding that, you know, K through 12 counselors are going to training, uh, you know, kind of continuing education training in order to be able to do exactly that, to actually counsel kids on suggesting that they change their gender, Um, that, uh, you know, almost all of the physician state licensure renewals now have a transgender model module that we have to go through. So
1: oh, that's that's correct. All this is being uh, presented and has been for a long time as if they are established facts, which they simply are not. There's no there's no medical basis for the idea that 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 your identity as male or female uh, can be completely separate from your your sexed body and that it is just simply a normal variant when that occurs. Those oh, okay. are beliefs. So,
0: so, okay, so that's the fundamental. So the fundamental is we're born and let, let, let's just say for this conversation, we won't cover anything like any of these very rare genetic syndromes like Kleinfelter or anything else, we're just gonna talk about just normal women and normal men in medicine. We can use those terms, uh, normal w- woman and, and the sex is uh, determined at birth or ultrasonically and can be karyotyped if we have to genetically. But um, what you're saying is that there's no scientific basis that one psychiatrically could arrive at a conclusion that they are the opposite gender.
1: Well, I'm acknowledging that there certainly are individuals who experience themselves internally as being the opposite sex. What I'm saying, and those used to be extremely rare individuals, one in 30,000, one in 100,000 in terms of the girls, very, very rare instances. I'm not denying that that happens. Certainly that happens. What I'm denying is that there's a possibility from a from a biological or medical uh perspective that that you could have the brain of a boy and the body of a girl, what I'm okay. saying is that we are not like Mr. Potato heads in which we can be assembled incorrectly
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it is it uh, are there other psychological constructs that exist. So, for instance, um, you know, um, either infatuation with the other gender or association, people have picked things as innocent as a girl being a tomboy or a a boy being effeminate. Uh, Is there a spectrum of just within the normal range of uh, psychology and psychiatric gender development that's considered acceptable and, and reasonable? Well, of course,
1: absolutely, but that's called personality. Okay. Okay, so you have a huge, huge range of, you know, m- 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 boys that might have more feminine interests or more feminine ways of presenting themselves or behaving or girls that are, you know, but but that's personality. Um, what What's happening here is that kids are being told that, uh, there's a, it's a random assignment, you know, that word assignment that is used over and over again, which, which has the connotation of randomness, you know, like you're assigned to the blue team or the red team when you're in PE, it's just random. So, so the doctor or the midwife randomly assigns you as boy or girl based on your genitals, but really it doesn't have anything to do with, your, with who you truly are. Now, you know, let's just get one thing straight as we're, you know, we're talking about being male or female, that that is established not at birth and that is not established at the time of the ultrasound. That is established at conception.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and, sure. It's established that obviously it's, it's, <laughs> It's um detectable in most at ultrasound and for sure at birth, but you're right, it's established at conception is there um is there a normalcy to having some ambiguity or some insecurities as as children approach? puberty, boys and girls, is there—is there an extent, can we assume that there's some normalcy there that, there, that there'll be some ambiguity or some insecurities around that time?
1: I would argue that unless they've been exposed, exposed? to these ideas, that, that no, I, I would say no. Certainly we have in adolescence, one of the tasks of adolescence, the psychological tasks of adolescence is to uh is to clarify your identity in terms of your values you know where you want to go in life um what group you identify with you know what perhaps your religious beliefs your your political beliefs but not until uh, now uh or, or just recently when a whole generation has been exposed to the notion that uh that 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 your that, you're, that being male or female can be completely separate from your sexed body. Uh, no, that was not part of, part of normal adolescent development, absolutely not. We didn't see this until very recently. Like I said, there, there were extremely rare cases of individuals, you know, there are different kinds of gender dysphoria, gender dysphoria meaning um, a feeling of distress over your, uh, sexed body as male or female, and feeling uncomfortable with uh, w- w- with stereotypical boy or girl behaviors and interests. Um, so, so that always existed, and uh, you know there there were different types of gender dysphoria. One type is childhood onset, which were the kids very early on when they were three or five or Uh, typically, you know, younger than seven years old, would insist that they want to be the opposite sex or that they are the opposite sex. And, you know, these kids have always existed. And we've done many studies on them. And all the studies indicate that if you, if if they are permitted to go through normal puberty, um, then the vast majority of them, between something like 60 to, to over 90% of these kids, their gender dysphoria, their discomfort with their bodies resolves.
0: Oh, that's so important. That is such an important thing. So what I've learned is th- this diagnosis of gender dysphoria is something that in a sense self-resolves with the, the pubertal phase of life.
1: Well, that's correct. And it makes sense because with puberty, you get you know, the, the surge of hormones. And uh, that surge of hormones, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't only cause physical changes such as breasts or facial hair or a lower voice. It goes to every organ in the body, including the brain. And it, it has an impact on, on cognition and emotional development and, and all the, 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 the functions of the brain, which are very vast. So the brain needs to go through puberty um, to become an adult, to be to 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 mature. In order to get a mature brain, uh, you know, the brain of a 25-year-old is very different than the brain of a 10-year-old. And what you need to get the brain of a 25-year-old is to go through puberty. Now we are telling kids that we can, and their parents that we can interrupt normal puberty we can block normal puberty uh, and then we can create a, a synthetic puberty of the opposite sex and we are leading families to believe that that you know it, it's it, 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 that everything will turn out just fine and we and we know for a fact that synthetic puberty is the same as organic natural puberty well we don't know that. Well, we don't in,
0: know that at all. In fact, I you know some of the the, the papers I've reviewed is are, are that this synthetic puberty or this converse uh, that's taken um is is very ineffective for gender dysphoria. If one assesses gender dysphoria before and after it doesn't really change much and in fact the the burden of uh, psychiatric care worsens after after this synthetic, so puberty. that's
1: a very important point that you're bringing up. What this what is called gender-affirming care, of giving kids blockers followed by opposite-sex hormones, instead of curing the dysphoria, it might actually lock in the dysphoria.
0: Oh, and, that's and, even worse. Yeah, and
1: prevent kids, the majority of kids who would normally get through this and be okay with their bodies might, as a result of these treatments, be locked into it.
0: Mm, Such an important concept. Boy, we're having a riveting discussion with Dr. Miriam Grossman, who's an expert child psychiatrist and she's doing absolutely fantastic work. We have basically just gone through normal development. We haven't gotten to the exciting uh, part of the interview, which is gonna be her introducing her book for you. Our audience is gonna be thrilled by getting this preview. It'll be out shortly um, after we post this interview. My, our audience, Dr. Grossman extends uh, certainly through the United States, uh, Canada, the Europe, Australia, New Zealand, a really big uh, following there in uh, in South America. So why don't we take a pause for our sponsors and then we'll be back on the other side. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough report. One of the biggest advances in nutraceuticals and supplements is healthy cell. And the healthy cell line is extensive. I typically focus on the microgel technology. Three major products here: immune super boost, the focus, and recall, and then the REM sleep supplement. Each one of these is complementary, and they can uh, have a role, I think, in the health of your life each and every day. I know they do in my case. Many of you know. After COVID-19, twice, I spent almost the entire year in 2022 with the upper respiratory tract illness. Now, thankfully, and I've been diligent with the Immune Super Boost in the morning, followed by Focus and Energy, and then in the evening time, the REM Sleep Supplement. The microgel technology works, and boy, does it work fast. So go to our website, America Out Loud Talk Radio, Find the banner bar for Healthy Cell, click on it, and that'll take you to the site to get a discount on your purchase of all Healthy Cell products. So let's get real. Let's get loud on Americot Loud Talk Radio
1: Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the Advanced Nasal Solution Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx Nasal Solution Cleanse. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X dot Save 20% by using promo code Out Loud at CofixRx.com.
0: America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutLoud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The Liberty and justice for all. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order.
1: You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural, drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com.
0: Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. We are having a fantastic convo with a psychiatrist, Dr. Miriam Grossman, and as everybody knows, I'm an internist and a cardiologist, and I rarely talk to psychiatrists, particularly ones who are in a position of authority. So I'm being educated just as much as you are, and we're we're covering kind of the normal uh, psychiatric and uh, aspects of. Of puberty and, and development through childhood, I want to ask one more question about normal development, and then we'll get into uh, the you know the the um, contentious issues of what's developing today. In normal development, I've been told that these early years, you know, zero to six or eight or ten, um, they're so fundamental to what the child sees and experiences with their parents that those years can never be erased or changed. M- meaning that as a parent, you'd really wanna be on your A game through those years because the, even though the, the child seems small and and uh, you know a baby or a toddler, they are really taking in and processing so much of what they're seeing in, in terms of behavior from adults and other people around them. Is that true?
1: Oh, sure. Sure. That is true. But at the same time, as a parent, I want to, you know, I want to just say that parenting is the most difficult job that exists. And we all make mistakes. We do the best we can. Um, We are flawed, all of us, flawed human beings. And I don't want parents to walk around feeling guilty. I want them instead uh, to be to be educated and to be proactive so that if this situation uh, uh, arrives at their dinner table and they have, you know, their child announces that they're the opposite sex, I want them to be prepared for that moment. Okay. But let me, let's finish what what
0: I was, um, you know, trying to get to Uh, let's say, we have a, a five-year-old child in the household and, and mom or dad are, you know, they're typical role models, typical father and typical mother role models in a normal family environment. And uh, let's say mom and dad go away for a few days and, and there's a, a babysitter and the babysitter takes that five-year-old child to a drag queen festival and sits down that five-year-old child, and the drag queen festival is uh, men who are um, dressed in all different types of costumes, doing all kinds of, uh, you know, sexualizing gestures and dancing, and uh, maybe some are transgender, where some of the men, you know, have the physical appearance where they have breasts, but in fact they have full male genitalia. All different types of uh, dress and costumes. And uh, everyone's clapping and cheering, and and the child is there, and and there appears to be that, you know a, a, an era of jovial entertainment. Does that episode itself, does that get permanently filed in the brain of that five-year-old child?
1: Well, you know, i i wouldn't I, I wouldn't make a sweeping statement that every single five-year-old is going to be affected in the same way. I would certainly say though that I would expect that a good number of them will be affected uh in in some manner, uh this you know, anywhere from confusion and fear. I find people that are dressed up in that manner actually to look kind of scary. Um, and I'm an adult. Uh I think that we could expect children to be at the very least confused. Uh, You know, what is going on here? Uh, You know, who is this person? Why are they dressed in this way? Everyone seems to be celebrating it. I guess I should also be celebrating it. Um, What
0: what, what about, what what if um, the parents take the child there and and they cheer this on and with other parents cheering it on and you know they go to several of these through the course of early childhood what about that
1: well that is to me very very disturbing to and i know that parents are doing this and i would i i would urge them to to not to not do such a thing this is not a place for a young child uh, it, it's not going to have any uh, positive benefit. Uh, if the parents uh, are inclined to celebrate uh, such a performance, they should go without the child. Uh, this is, These are instances in which the child is, you know, being being used, so to speak, to for the parents to, I think, often feel better about how, you know, how inclusive they are and how open-minded they are and how they want their child to be likewise open-minded and inclusive, I would uh, really strongly urge them not to do so. So
0: do you think the driver is this this guilt of of inclusivity or, or or this feeling that that one is not being equanimous enough with respect to everyone around them is that what's driving it or do you think the the adults get some type of of kind of sexualized entertainment out of these themselves
1: oh you're speaking specifically about taking little kids to these drag shows yes uh uh, again, I you know people are different. Families are different. It's certainly possible that some of the adults are disturbed individuals who, uh, you know, their their own sexuality and their understanding of you know childhood sexuality is 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 very mixed up, and they might have been led to believe that this is a positive thing for their kids. Maybe they came from. A repressed background where they didn't get the information that they needed about their own sexuality and so maybe they think that they're exposing their kids to this early on is is good for them you know i really i'm i'm as i'm as i'm asking the same questions you are why in the world would parents take their innocent little kids to such a performance Uh, what i'm leading up to
0: dr grossman is uh, i'm fearful that these images and these events are permanent. They're permanent, indelible events in the minds of these children. I mean, I can remember certain things when, you know, I was five years old. They're pretty dramatic things. You know, memory fades over time, um, but I have a feeling, a gut feeling, that these events are are fundamentally changing the children. It's not I- just a, it's not just spending an hour or two, or it's not just some fun that they're changing the children.
1: I would I would agree, I would agree. And I think that that is part of what is animating this whole move to expose the little kids to this is that that they want to reach the little kid, they want to reach them as young as possible. You know, kids are like wet cement and you get a three or five-year-old, that cement is very wet. Mm-hmm. And whatever you drop onto it, and that's a quote, by the way, from a psychologist by the name of Chaim Gino, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who said that a child is like wet cement, and whatever you expose them to, it's going to make an impression. Uh, and, and yes, I think this is definitely part of a, it's a global, social, political movement to change, uh, really... Uh, I know it might sound extreme, but I think it's about changing humanity in a very uh, fundamental way in terms of our uh, being male and female. I, I believe that there's a there's a definitely a move to uh, to uh, to do away with these categories of male and female, and to uh, to to create a, a, you know human being 2.0. Uh, whose maleness and femaleness is, uh, you know, vague and malleable and changeable, and uh, basically doesn't mean anything. Well, is it
0: is it that current um, current transgender people want more of their own kind, transgender people, or is it is it those who are gay and lesbian and bisexual? Uh, you you know, are seeking inclusivity uh, to a greater degree. Uh, I I mean, you know, those designations have been around for a long, long time. Uh, Things haven't changed that much, at least in the last five or 10 years, with respect to gay, lesbian and bisexual. Um, it just seems like, it just seems like, honestly, this has come out of nowhere and you turn on the TV at night and, and just for the listeners overseas, you know, th- there could be, let's say three evening, you know, news talk shows and, and every single one of them will have uh, featured stories on this, you know, with some, some, some contentious conclusion or some aspect of diversity, equity, inclusion, or uh, there could be a- another one voicing these types of concerns, like we're, we're not sure this is right medically, we're, we have medical or clinical or psychiatric concerns. Uh, there have been, um, you know, just wild uh, branding campaigns from uh, from Bud Light to um, Target. Uh, I think today or yesterday, Walmart, um, you know, we've seen ESPN um, athlete of the year was a transgender person. There's, yeah,
1: they're, they're- Yeah, the corporations are completely taken over by this, but you know. But why
0: though? But why? Why would a corporation? uh, I I mean, don't corporations want to sell to large numbers of people? I mean, what, what would what would the corporations have in
1: this? You know, Dr. McCullough. You know, these are all such good questions. I I really. You know, there are other people that are doing excellent work in answering some of these questions. I really stick to what I see in my office Mm -hmm. and I stick and I stick to educating parents so that they are prepared for this to hit their home.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There's
1: you know, there's a lot of speculation about what's behind this. And of course, there's billions and billions of dollars to be made. Uh, in these medical, uh, you know, treatments, surgical treatments that are being pushed as uh, the only, you know, the the only recognized way to help young people. So, of course, there's the financial end to it, but there's a lot more. But the truth is, I am more comfortable um, talking about uh, how parents need to be prepared for this way, way before their kids are teenagers. They need to be prepared when their kids are still little. And they need to be uh, educating their their little kids about biological truths, about male and female being fixed and unchangeable, and how their bodies are perfect. And, and uh, everyone's body, you know, you can't be born in the wrong body so that the child hears these truths from their parents at home first before they go to school and before they go to Disney and start hearing otherwise.
0: Now didn't we used to call that the birds and the bees (laughs) talk right? I mean that's that's kind of leave it to beaver but um, when should parents actually just in general uh, in terms of you know childhood years be- begin to start to have these conversations.
1: Well, I'm not talking about birds and the bees in terms of reproduction. I'm just talking about uh, kids knowing that they're in the wrong, they're in the right body, and that if any that if they, when they hear this idea, they might hear this idea somewhere in a book, in the library, from their preschool teacher, from their friend that it's possible to be born in the wrong body and have a boy's brain and a girl's body. I want the children to already have heard from their parents. No, that's actually not possible. That's, that's not correct. And it's actually very dangerous to try and change your body to be a different kind of a body. So they need gender affirmation that they're in the right
0: body. To yes, start with. that's correct. <laughs> I love it. So let's the last uh, segment here. Let's move into uh, an introduction to your book i know a lot of people are talking about it it's so a lot of buzz what's the title and kind of lay it out for us
1: the title of the book is lost in transnation two words transnation lost in transnation a child psychiatrist's guide out of the madness and this is a parenting book this is not a book for psychologists or therapists of course i'm very happy for them to read it and they will learn a ton of stuff by reading it that they will not have learned anywhere else but primarily i am speaking to parents and i am telling them that they have to trust their guts their parental instincts and, and not go to the gender experts who are gonna tell them that they have to affirm their child in their uh, their new identity as the opposite sex or as uh, non-binary or any one of those sort of meaningless terms that, that, that don't really mean much, but that kids are being uh, indoctrinated to think that they can just pick one of these identities uh, so this is a book for parents to understand how to identify these dangerous ideas Uh, and there's a whole list of them there's dangerous ideas that come from uh, psychology and psychiatry there's dangerous ideas that come from endocrinologists meaning the blockers i want parents to completely understand the what blockers do and that that puberty is not a disorder it's not a disease their child needs to go through normal puberty. I want parents to understand the statistics about suicide because uh, as as you know, and I'm sure your audience has also heard that parents are being told by the so-called experts that if they don't affirm their child immediately, they're placing their child at risk for suicide. So I want parents to fully understand the data that we have and the data that we have about suicide does not indicate that there are uh, that the, that there's an epidemic of suicides by uh, uh, by these kids who are distressed about their their bodies. It does not indicate that at all. What it indicates is that yes, uh, kids who identify as transgender have an elevated uh, incidence of of suicidal thoughts and suicidal behaviors. Uh, But that incidence is essentially similar to the incidence of kids who have other psychiatric disorders, who have uh, anxiety disorders, autism, depression, uh, other neurodivergent conditions. So uh, identifying as uh, the opposite sex or some other variety thereof does not automatically put you into a category of high risk of uh completed suicide and that is simply that is false uh, parents are being emotionally emotionally manipulated to think that if they don't go along with this immediately uh that, that they are responsible for their child doing worse and that's that's not the case because kids who are affirmed socially affirmed meaning that they, they are permitted to adopt a different name and pronouns uh, and to you know, uh, present themselves, to dress differently as the opposite sex and to use opposite sex uh, uh, bathrooms and changing rooms and so on and so forth at school and in public, uh, those kids are still suffering. Those kids still have, and in some cases, have more mental health issues. Uh, So, you see, there's a vast chasm, Dr. McCullough, between what is actually known about these kids uh, and, 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 and the debate that's currently going on amongst doctors and therapists about how to help these kids. There's a vast chasm between that information and the information that parents and the general public are getting. And that this is the purpose of my book is to bridge that chasm.
0: Wow, this is so fantastic. We've been talking to Dr. Miriam Grossman, MD, child psychiatrist, and her new book, which is going to be out shortly Lost in Transnation, two words, a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. And it um, looks like you have Jordan Peterson. Wrote the forward. Is that true?
1: Yes. I'm so grateful to Dr. Peterson for writing an unbelievable forward. Yes.
0: That is fantastic. So many of my followers follow Jordan Peterson. He actually follows me and I follow him on Twitter, although he's got like 4 million followers and I'm somewhere around a million. But I, I can tell you, Um, this is going to be important because it's a guide for parents. Now I wanted to ask you how much of the book is dedicated to the early years, let's say elementary, junior high, and then let's say high school years.
1: Well, it's kind of hard to, let's see, to put it in those terms. Uh, What what I would say is that the book is divided into uh, explaining the various dangerous ideas that come from, these these various sources, schools, psychiatrists, therapists, surgeons, uh, the legal profession. You know, the legal profession has redefined the words abuse and uh, and neglect, so that abuse and neglect now include uh, uh, when parents refuse to use their child's uh, new name that they may have picked out two weeks ago, and new pronouns, and children have been removed by Child Protective Services from their homes. I have a chapter in which I tell the stories of a number of families in which this happened. And, Dr. Uh, Dr. Gold, Dr. Gold, I,
0: I have to ask you. So, you know, in our day to day life, when we're confronted with this, w- 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 and let's say most of the people listening to this are adults, their parents or grandparents, what should we do with this whole pronoun issue when we're confronted with it?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I've done in the book. Uh, I, I really mulled over this for a long, long time. What should I do with pronouns? Because I'm speaking about Individuals who are identify as transgender, and some of them are quite well known individuals, uh, jazz Jennings, uh, you know, Admiral Dr. Levine, and other people. And how am I going to refer to these individuals? And what I decided, Dr. McCullough, after a lot of thought, is that you know, if it was years ago, 15 years ago, and and I was faced with a pronoun dilemma. Uh, certainly, certainly, I would call uh, people whatever pronouns they want. I'm, a, I'm an empathic person. I'm someone who wants to help people feel good, feel better. You know, uh, I, the last thing that I want is to cause anyone any distress. However, we're living in a different world. And we're living in a world in which there's this uh, juggernaut uh, of 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 uh, to to destroy male and female and to reach kids when they're little, and to uh, expose them to harmful, incorrect information about about male and female. Uh, and if I use what's called preferred pronouns, if I call a man she, then what i'm doing is i am all all those little those kids out there those boys who are 10 and 12 and 15 and 20 years old if they see that i am calling admiral levine she then it feeds their fantasy that, that they too can be seen as a woman and i do not want to feed that fantasy
0: Okay, that's really, really important. I struggle with that myself. So this idea of, uh, no, we we can't feed the fantasy. Someone told me, someone gave me this analogy. I don't know what you think of it, but someone said, you know, if someone was struggling with anorexia nervosa, you wouldn't go up and tell them they're fat. You'd you'd never want to feed a, a... a, 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 you know, a psychological problem and, and make it worse. Right. And, and whether you make it worse uh, in, in, you know, that type of derogatory way, or you, like you say, you're just feeding the fantasy, you're making it worse by feeding the fantasy. The,
1: the reason why this is so difficult is that in anorexia, of course, you'll have the whole world agreeing with your parents, but in, in the world we're in now, the kids are indoctrinated to think that if their parents do not use the pronouns that they are biased and hateful Mm -hmm. parents and that their home is not safe and Mm so this is what i deal with day day in and day out are the families in which the parents refuse to use the pronouns and the kids uh are 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 just convinced utterly convinced they have a fixed belief that their parents are bad, dangerous people.
0: Oh, you know what, Dr. Grossman, I have to tell you, I gave a um, program, I uh, probably like you, I'm, I'm on stage a lot and I give a lot of public uh, lectures, I get invited. And this woman uh, came up to me and she's the nicest lady. And um, I would say, I'm 60, I, I wanna say maybe she was 45. And she said, Dr. McCullough, I'm really struggling. I'm a single mother. And um, she actually, her husband actually died in, in military service, so I'm a single mother. And I have a son and he is, I think he's a late adolescent. So he's, let's say 17 or 18. And he's actually in a gender transition. And I don't know what to do. And she says, I feel like as if I fight him or I oppose this that I'm gonna lose him as my son. Does that sound like a common scenario that you hear?
1: Very common. Very, this is the most difficult thing that parents have gone through. I, for my book, I did a survey, uh, an international survey of parents of kids uh, who identify as transgender. And I got the responses from 500 parents from 17 countries. And And so my book, includes the advice that those parents have for parents who have yet to go through this. Mm. I, I, the survey consisted of questions, including what would you tell parents who, who have kids who are young and they have yet to go through this ordeal that you're going through now? What would you tell them?
0: That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Why, why not get help? right i mean this is tough these are tough issues why not get some help Wow, this book looks so terrific i think it needs to be on the the bookshelf of of every every set of parents and and all the single parents out there um, right now that are, are potentially going to face that That means almost every child uh, could be at risk we're talking about lost in transna- uh, transnation two words a child psychiatrist guide out of the ma- madness and uh, the Miriam Grossman, MD, uh, is the author, and the foreword's written by Jordan Peterson. Dr. Grossman, is this your first book?
1: No, no, it's not my first book. I wrote a book, in fact, I've written a number of, this is my fifth book, but. Oh my gosh. I, I, I wrote a book in 2009 called You're Teaching My Child What? about sex education, and I had a chapter there all about what they're, teaching kids about gender in 2009, and I warned parents that this is a catastrophe in the making.
0: Oh, this is so important. So you've been uh, working on this in terms of your scholarship and your clinical activity for a long time. That makes a huge difference. For so many of us, this caught us by surprise. It caught me by complete surprise. And you know, I have transgender Patients now in my clinic. I do internal medicine and cardiology. It's completely caught me by surprise. Um, this has been an extraordinary interview. Um, we're going to have to bring it to a close, Doctor Grossman, Do you have any final kind of key points for our audience? We, we've we just I feel like we just scratched the
1: surface. Well, we we did scratch it, but but I think that the key point that I want to tell parents is that they should trust their intuition, trust your parental instinct. Uh, there's doctors out there with uh, with walls full of diplomas, and you know this as well as I do, Dr. McCullough. And unfortunately, uh, they are they are, they are just churning out misinformation on all sorts of subjects. And uh, uh, gender confused kids is one subject in which the misinformation that's being churned out is just uh, you know at at at, at crisis levels. And I want parents to to become educated and to trust their intuition. They know their children.
0: Wow, this has been a powerful, powerful interview. We're going to have to have you back on the show. Give it a few months, maybe through the summer. Uh, there's so many developments. I wanted to ask you about legislation and other things happening. I'm sure you're very, very busy. Uh, Dr. Miriam Grossman, thank you so much for joining us on The McCullough Report.
1: You're welcome, and I'll just give my up oh, my website. Go ahead. Uh, it's my name, Miriam Grossman, MD.com. and there's a ton of stuff there that people can uh, read and watch. And then I'm also uh, on Twitter uh, at Miriam under under what do you call that? Underslash underscore?
0: Underscore, I think probably yeah.
1: Yeah, underscore uh, Grossman, MD.
0: Good. And we hopefully we're following each other on Twitter. Now, most of the people um, watching this is, you know, believe it or not, McCullough reports one of the top actually medical uh, podcasts in the world. I've been actually um, previewing this uh, on Amazon. So I don't know. You probably know this is on Amazon right now. You can see the cover of your book. Uh, you know, the layout, uh, things look really good. Um, as my audience knows, I I have a book up. My first book, I've done hundreds and hundreds of medical peer-reviewed publications, but a book is so much harder. And I wrote it, actually, the main author is John Leake, and it's been out for a year. And I have so much respect for authors because <laughs> authoring books and being in clinical practice and, uh, you know, being the, you know, the the, the adults in our family, it's just so challenging. I, it's, I give you all the credit you deserve ahead of time. This uh, looks absolutely fantastic.
1: Thank you, Dr. McCullough. It's, it's really, you know what, it's like a very difficult, Prolonged uh, labor and delivery is what it's like. <laughs> but let me ask
0: you, I you know, just looking here on Amazon, is there anything like this that just fits this uh, fits this category of like this helpful guide of of how how what a parent is not.
1: Going that, to? Uh, there are books for clinicians. There's books for therapists on doing therapy with these kids in a non-affirming way. But right. for parents, no, not that I I, I don't believe there's anything.
0: Uh, I think I think you're right, because I'm looking at all the ones where Amazon tries to aggregate them. I think you're right. This is such a unique book. Everybody listening, um, my friends out there, uh, pick it up as soon as it becomes available on uh, Amazon. And can you also get it through your website or is it going to just be through Amazon?
1: Well, the website will, I think, probably take you to Amazon. But if it's banned, you know, it's I'm counting on pretty much probably being banned. So
0: really, wow, it could be, it could be, um, and chances are you'll need to work through the publisher or even work out a deal through your website. But um, this is absolutely fantastic. Lost in Trans Nation: A Child Psychiatrist Guide Out of the Madness. Again, Dr. Grossman, thank you so much for being on the McCullough Report.
1: Thank you, Dr. McCullough, for everything that you do as well.
0: Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report.